Thanks for listening to the Courageous Church Podcast. We want you to know that wherever you are, God is with you. We hope this message leaves you feeling loved, encouraged, and courageous. We thank you for tuning in. Courageous Church, Courageous People. And now, here's today's message. I came today to talk to you from 2 Peter, the very end of Peter's second letter. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I came today to talk to those of us who are in a season of uncertainty. This is, this is a message entitled The Growing Season, and I want to talk to you if you are right now in between who God says you're supposed to be and who you really are. The big idea I want to leave you with today is this is what to do when you're not who you want to be. This is the instructions to go from you on Friday night to who Pastor Ontario Green thinks you are on Sunday morning. Some of y'all got him blocked, and I know it. You blocked him just in case. You don't need him all up in your business. And we want to create a... We want to... We want... I want you to be the same every day in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. Second Peter chapter three. I'm just going to read the last two verses. These are the last words of the apostle Peter. Verse 17 and 18. Second Peter chapter three. It reads like this. Therefore, dear friends, since you've been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace And grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Isn't the Bible awesome? I love to read the Bible. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you that through the pen of the captain of your disciples... Empowered by the Holy Spirit, the eternal words from your throne are spoken through time to us today. God, soften our hearts and open our minds. Let everything that we walked in with be dropped at our feet so that we might come boldly before the throne of grace with open hands to receive whatever you want for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about growth in this season. And, um, and I, I couldn't think of anybody better in the scriptures to talk to us about growth, but the man whose life was defined most by being hot and cold, yes and no, up and down, faithful, unfaithful, That's so good. Peter. I love, does anybody love Peter? I love Peter. He is a mess and he gives me hope. When I see Peter act a fool, I'm like, see, if he's going, I'm going. I'm definitely going. It's Peter. Who, when face to face with Jesus for the very first time and invited to not be a fisherman, but be a fisher of men, drops everything, his entire business. Make no mistake, he wasn't poor. He was a businessman. It's that Peter who, seeing Jesus in the flesh, goes, 
I'm all in. But it's the same Peter who wavers and waffles in the early days of Jesus' ministry. This is the same Peter who, when Jesus is asking the disciples, hey, who do men say that I am? And they begin to spout out the theories that they've heard. And and Jesus looks to Peter and he says, no, who do you say I am? It's Peter in that moment who takes this big, deep breath and he says, well, you're the Christ, son of the living God. It's that Peter who on that declaration of faith, his name is changed from Simon to Peter, which means rock. Come on, somebody. His nickname is The Rock. That's a good nickname. If you smell what The Rock... See, I'm in the right place. I always wish that I could have seen Peter's face when Jesus said, no longer shall I call you Simon, because Simon's kind of a soft name. And he said, from now on, I'll call you the rock. I wish I could have seen Peter been like, (laughs) what what do you think about that, John, right? It's the same Peter who gets named the rock because of his bold declaration of faith, who also doubts Jesus's plan to go to the cross to be killed. He says, no, Jesus, I won't let you do that. And Jesus looks him dead in the face and says, get behind me, Satan. Same dude. Good days, bad days. This is the same Peter who denies Jesus. But before he denies Jesus, he's also so jealous to fight for Jesus. He cuts off some ears. Come on, somebody. This is the same Peter who, after being fully convinced that Jesus was who he says he was, organizes much of the missional ministry of the first church. And at the end of his life, when faced with his own martyrdom for his ministry, says, I cannot be killed like my Jesus. They wanted to crucify him. He says, I don't deserve to die like that. You hang me upside down. This, This man, just like all of us. They're like, one day, you're at Courageous. And it's, you know, the spirit is just moving. And you're like, oh, this is exactly where I was meant to be. You begin to operate in your gifts. You find your purpose, your calling. You start to let go of the former things and holding on to the new things. And yet you and I, like most all Christians, go through a season where it's like, there's that day, and then there's also that day where you're just... Some people wouldn't even know you were a Christian. Am I talking to anybody today? And it's not just in like the blatant sins, like you're out clubbing. Come on. It's also like when you're on the highway and you're telling people they're number one, but with a certain finger. It's like when the Holy Spirit needs to convict you to backspace in the comments. Like, don't say that, boo. Don't say that. When you are marked by your anger, your bitterness, your frustration, when people meet you and they don't see any of the fruits of the Spirit, all they see is old you. And you said you love Jesus and you've been going to church. You even invited them to Courageous. And they're like, if that's what Courageous is about, I don't want none of it. So many of us live in that both world. Do you know what I'm talking about? If that's you, today, 
I want you to be convicted. I came to convict you. Most guest speakers will come to encourage you. <laughs> Not me. I came to hurt your feelings today. And I came to hurt your feelings today so that you would be changed today. You don't need to come to Courageous Church the same every single week. What is the point of saying you're Christian but not being a Christian? What a waste. And what a poor representation of the pure king that we serve who shed his blood and tore his body that you might be redeemed. We all live in a both season. But in Jesus' name, it can be a growth season. I was thinking about this while I was, I was getting ready for the week. I was thinking about what it's like to be a Christian. And if you're the kind of person who lives in this back and forth, don't worry. You're just like the rest of us. Because being a Christian, can we say this, is kind of hard. Like your pastor and I are also dealing with real life stuff. We're not perfect. Sometimes the environment in which we're planted as believers is harsh. And as I was preparing for this message, I was trying to think of something to share with you that I thought would be a perfect picture, a good understanding of what it's like to grow in a difficult season like this. In Colorado, the the state flower is the columbine. And it's a beautiful, hardy wildflower. Um, And it makes it all the more bittersweet for us because one of the greatest tragedies in our country is also tied to that name. But if you know people in Colorado, the Columbine is on many, many, many things, license plates and signs and businesses and all of that. And the beauty of the Columbine is it embodies the spirit of the people of Colorado because it is the kind of wildflower that primarily, only, purposefully grows in harsh conditions. And as I was thinking about this flower, I was thinking about how cool it is that like this cute beautiful. It comes in over 180 varieties. Flower that's so colorful grows in the freezing cold winter weather of Colorado as well as the hot and dry weather of Colorado in the summer. See, you all have humid. I discovered that today wearing a wool coat. It was 30 degrees when we left Denver. I was like, this is beautiful. We came outside the hotel. I was like, oh Lord Jesus. It's humid here. And they say, you know, if you go to a place that's not humid, well, at least it's a dry heat. Unless you live in a dry heat, then no one says that. Dry environments and cold environments make it very difficult for many plants to flourish. And yet the columbine plant, this little flower, it flourishes in this harsh environment. And it does it in two ways. And I want to show you something in the scripture here that mirrors this. And I think it's a good model for all of us to be, to think, to lean into in our growing season. The Columbine, first and foremost, has very deep roots. It's just a flower. But when the seed hits the ground, it actually burrows deep. And then as the roots go out, they expand very wide and very deep before the plant ever bursts through the soil. And so by the time that you and I see a columbine flower, it may be only an inch or two tall, but its root system is vast and deep and pulling from all that the ground can give it. 
So that when the wind blows and when the snow falls, when the sun scorches, this little flower says, don't you worry, I got all I need. Shine, sunshine. Number one, deep roots. Number two, it self-sows. See, most flowers that you and I know about, they're pollinated by bees. Bees go from one flower to another, and they're gathering pollen to make their honey, but in the process, they're dropping a little pollen here and dropping a little pollen here. And what they're doing is fertilizing other flowers to grow. But the columbine does not let bees touch it. What it instead does is every time it's ready to create new life, it takes its own seeds and it just drops them right into the ground where its roots are already buried. And then those seeds... Did you see it? The Columbine flower says... uh, I know this environment doesn't look like I can make it. I'm preaching already. I hope you're with me. It says, but if I can just get a firm footing, then no matter what the wind brings, I'll be able to bend and not break. And in fact, the best way for me to ensure that I've got strength, even in the midst of the worst of storms, is I'm going to continue to feed myself, dropping the same seeds into the same good ground so that when more of me gets stronger, anything the world throws at me, I'm good because, baby, I got deep roots and I'm well fed. Come on, somebody. The gospel according to the columbine flower. You will buy a columbine flower this season. Now here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that the columbine flower is exactly, I think 2,000 years ago, what the apostle Peter is actually writing about. I think he's giving us an understanding to see what it looks like to grow between who you are and who you're called to be even in the midst of an environment where it seems like it's impossible. How am I supposed to walk in faith when my entire world is consumed by worldliness? Pastor said, I got to get rid of old friends. Really? At 30, I got to find a new friend crew? You got to be kidding me. If the pandemic has taught any of us anything, it's that we don't like finding new friends. We like canceling plans. Come on, somebody. They said, hey, you want to go somewhere? And you suddenly got real serious about masks. No, no, I better stay home just to be safe. Didn't we get comfortable on that couch? (laughs) There is a disconnect between who God's called you to be and who you are right now. Plain and simple. And Peter says this, he writes in chapter three, verses 17 and 18, the instructions on how we might succeed in a growing season. You know, the world would define a growing season. (laughs) Most of them, uh, we we use growth as a term to just cover up a failure. 
You, you know, most of us say we're, we're, we're just, hey, I'm just trying to grow after we've lost our job. Amen. We say, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just, uh, I'm just getting myself together, mostly in a season when we've failed, when we're licking our wounds, when we've struggled. Growth is not actually something that most people go after. Do you know why? Because growth hurts. Growth hurts. It like really hurts, huh? Ask anybody with muscles. Who has muscles in here? You have muscles. Where's our drummer? He has muscles, right? Come on. There's some muscles in the building. Ask them. No pain. Oh, come on. Same principle is true with your body and also in the spiritual realm. It hurts to get better. And so most of the world says growth when actually they mean pain. They say, I'm struggling, so I'm just, I'm, you know, like this is just a season for growth. Which is probably true, but it misses the marrow, the meat, the power of the way in which that God defines growth. The word growth here, according to Peter, in this Greek, it means to enlarge, to increase. Growth, actually, in this realm, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, means a season of healing. Means a season of maturing. Means a season of moving forward. Hear me. Even if you have to start by going backwards. You said, Pastor, hold on. Wait a minute. I definitely want to go forward. But you don't know what's behind me. There's people in this room here today that if you're really being honest about your own past... The only way you think you can heal is by ignoring it, by burying it. So many of us are so desperately afraid of facing what we've done and what we've been through that we think the very best plan is just to press on. That's why you see some people who just grind so hard. They just go so, they they never seem to focus on past, never seem to focus on details. They seem so blissfully self-unaware because they're so focused on the future. And I want to tell you right now, here and today, most people who won't focus on the past, won't address the past. The reason that you have to stop before you move forward is because you need to go back because you're on the wrong path. See, here's the gospel. Narrow is the way, it says. And most of us are here. (laughs) And Jesus' path is a one-lane road, and it looks dark because it looks hard. And so we go down this road because it feels a lot easier. And what happens is because the devil's beautiful, we go on a little diversion over here. And then we realize that Jesus seems far from us. And Jesus, he calls us back home. And we think the best way to get to him is to make a cut across the forest. And we shortcut all of the work and all of the glory. And he says, no, boo. (laughs) Turn around. You see, real growth real back-on-track life is like this. Come on, come on. There it is. I'm starting back at the ground. At the root. And now I'm moving forward. 
You see, the gospel defines growth as enlarging your territory and growing and maturing, but you cannot do that from a place of dysfunction. And let, let me warn you, you don't want to enlarge yourself in a place of dysfunction. You don't want to get stronger in your bitterness. Don't want to get better in your anger. Don't want to be the kind of person who said, I'll never love another person. And then 50 years down the road, you answered it and it became true. You don't want that. That hard heart that you've been developing in your 20s and 30s has to be broken. Or you will die with a hard heart. Alone. So Jesus says growth is enlarging and growth is increasing. And here's how you do it. Verse 17, the apostle says, be careful, be on guard that you're not carried away by the error of the lawless and that you don't fall from your secure position. He says, if you really want to grow from who you are to who you're called to be, this growth season needs to be marked by a season of being rooted. Here's what he says. Be careful. You've been warned. What does that mean? It means you have the Bible. That's what he means. Earlier in this chapter, he references Paul. He says, Paul already instructed us. You've heard the good news. You've been warned. You have all of the information that you need. Please start making some decisions with the information that you need. He says, and be careful, first and foremost, that you don't get carried away. Can I say this to you today? The world is full of momentum and inertia. And if you give it just one moment to put your toe in the water, I want to assure you, you will be washed away. Make no mistake. This world is full of influencers and few of them are trying to influence you or nudge you to Jesus. Did you know that? All of those people who have mastered the Instagram algorithm. Did you say all? All. I would say almost all of the world is influencing you in a direction. And if it isn't completely and totally vertical, it is completely and totally down. Can you understand this today? Influence matters. I would say it like this. Watch what you watch. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. You think simply scrolling is no big deal? How many hours do you spend on reels? That part, right? And it always says, can we skip to the good part? This is the good part. Pressing into the Lord, leaning on the Lord. He says, watch you what you watch. Be careful that you're not drawn away by influence, by the world's model. And here's why. He says, be careful that you're not carried away by the error of the lawless. And you're like, okay, cool. Those sound like really bad people. That's not my crew. Understand that this word lawlessness is the same word that the apostle Paul uses when he writes about it in Corinthians, when he writes about it in Thessalonians. The word means this, sin. Simple, even the small. He says, be mindful that you aren't carried away by even what you consider to be little sins and white lies. I want to tell you this today. In God's eyes, sin is sin. You didn't 
walk in here today with a hierarchy of some sinners and some big sinners and some little sinners. You're all sinners. Saved by grace. And when made new in his image, you're all saints who sometimes struggle with sin. But make no mistake, in God's eyes, sin is still sin. And so the little thing that you cover up, the little thing that right now, as I said that, you were like, man, shut up. I love how jovial we are. It's so good. Yeah. Can I be serious for a second? There's a thing that you have, that you do, that no one knows about. No one, not your spouse, not the people on your row, not your pastor. And right now, you're really hoping I don't talk about it. Because if anybody knew that version of you, you'd be devastated. You'd be shocked. Here's the deal. Jesus knows about it. And he sees it in you every day. And he says, I died for that. Why do you keep going back to that? And you might have become so inoculated to the consequences of your sin that you don't think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Just because you practice it all the time doesn't mean the consequences aren't still there. Doesn't mean it still doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that the wages of that sin are not still death. Be mindful that you're not carried away into lawlessness, however small it may be. He says, be mindful that you're not carried away, because if you are, you will lose your foundation. He says, be mindful you're not carried away of the lawless and then fall from your secure foundation. What's a foundation? Your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is it your service at Courageous Church? No. Is it your tithing? No. Is it the way in which you pretend like you're saved? No. Is it a bumper sticker for the church or the radio station you go to? No. Is it that you memorized all of Maverick City's music? No. It is, does he know your name? And do you know him? Do you talk to him? Like Paul says, you should talk to him to pray without ceasing. Are you engaged in relationship with him? Can your prayer life be the sort of thing that says, Jesus, sup, me again, question. Uh, or does your prayer life sound like this? Oh, God, Father God, I uh, don't know how to do this. <laughs> if you're up there, Sky Daddy, it's me again. Can you, you can tell which one knows him, right? Do you know him? Do you know him? Because if you know him, nothing else matters. Peter says, be careful you're not carried away by influence, by the model of the world, by the way that this place entices you. And even a little bit of compromise can lead to a vast moral failure and will sweep you off of your foundation. You want to grow? Be rooted. Number two, you want to grow? Ready? Make sure that this growing season is a season where you are self-sowing. He says this in verse 18, but 
Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. First thing he's saying is grow in grace. What does that mean, to grow in grace? This is my favorite part of the gospel because it gives me hope, like your pastor said about Peter. To grow in grace means to grow when you fall. Oh, isn't that good? It means that I can fall and still grow. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The grace that we receive for him is that when we fall, we're invited to stand back up. For the righteous man falls seven times. The thing about our God is that he's different. He's unlike any one of the other professed gods of the world who come down with rash judgment and say, it must be perfect or you die. Our God says, you're not perfect, so I died. And you're going to fall, and I'll pick you up. Growing in grace means, hear me, growing from your failings, which implores you to learn while you fail. Amen? So here's the deal. Nobody's going to have a perfect week this week. Amen? You will make a mistake. Amen? Will you learn from it? Will it be the last time you make that mistake? So when you spout off at your coworker, <laughs> hey, that report needs to be in. Your report needs to be in. You late all the time. You know what? <laughs> I'm trying to grow, and that was not Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Can you, can you grow from your failure? The answer is yes, but here's how. He says grow in grace and then grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Here, here's what it is. When you grow in grace, oh, I love this part, it's so good. You, you get to grow in your failing by talking to the Lord about how you failed, right? He's faithful and just to forgive. And how do you get forgiveness? Well, you repent. And how do you repent? You pray. You say, I messed up again. Look at me. <laughs> Gosh. And he says, you're forgiven. You learn when you fail, but then you get to learn not to fail by growing not in grace, but by growing in knowledge of who he is. And that comes not through prayer, but through study. You want to self-sow? Start praying more and start reading more. You said, Pastor, I got to tell you, I don't understand the Bible. I mean, I've tried it. It's weird. I don't. I've been there. Get you a Bible you can read. There's a hundred translations. Now, if you talk like King James, get you a King James Bible. But if you talk like any number of normal people, there's a number of normal Bibles who will tell it to you like a story. In fact, some are written just like a story. I don't care how you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but don't you dare not grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. How will you know how to please him if you don't know what pleases him? He says, grow in the grace, grow and learn when you fall, grow in the knowledge, grow and learn not to fall. And then he says this to him, that's Jesus, be glory right now and forever. Some scholars would read that as a final salutation from the apostle. I agree with others who said this is an imploring, motivational, closing sentence to you and I. He says, grow in grace. 
grow in knowledge and thereby grow in the way that you give him glory. The difference between who you are and who he called you to be. So far. Unless we're dedicated to giving him glory. It means in the way I've raised my kids. I just want him, I want them to see him. It's in the way I talk to the people I love, my spouse, my boyfriend and girlfriend, I want them to see him. It's in the way that I work. It's in everything that I do. I, I just do un, all things as though unto the Lord. I want them to see him. It's the way I show up to serve at church on Sunday, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, yeah. neat, yeah. nice, noisy, nosy, normal. <laughs> I want to be in the room. Yes. And when I'm in the room where he's at, I want him to be all over me. So that no matter what room I go to, he's all over me. So people that don't know him go, what is it about you? And you get to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. He made a way where there is no way. Grow in this season. In the grace when you fall. Grow in this season. In the knowledge of who the king is, can I tell you, he's so much better than you know. And grow every day, giving him just a little bit more glory than yesterday. I want to pray with you today. All week I've been praying that today would be filled with people who feel this disconnect. This disconnect between who you are right now and who you know he's called you to be. Some of the divide is caused by you. You continue to mess up, don't you? You continue to feel like you betrayed him, turned your back on him. You're wondering if this faith thing is even real for you. Some of you feel like the pressure to become that is overwhelming. How could I ever be perfect? I know me. This divide... (laughs) Only one thing crosses it. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't do it on your own. You can't swim across this chasm. You can't jump across this canyon. The only thing that does it is the blood. You said, Pastor, I've been saved before. Don't worry. I'm just listening. He says, uh, oh, sorry. He said, the difference between that you and the you I created is whether you're really desperate to be who I made you to be. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, you said the prayer. That's all you did. You, you did what you thought you were supposed to do. But you hadn't been broken yet. And until you let that seed be buried in deep soil, until you allow yourself to be totally broken 
and totally desperate, you will flounder in who you are. So the invitation today is total surrender. I'm not praying a prayer with you that's cute, and I don't want you to look at me. I am looking for people who said, I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to die if I don't have you. And frankly, if I'm being honest, I don't want any of this life anymore. So you take what you need to take. In Jesus' name, Father God, right now, we come to you boldly before the throne of grace in the spirit of surrender. There are those of us in this room, if we're being honest, we've been faking this thing the whole way. We said we were Christian. We professed the faith. We served. We sang. We did all the things we thought were necessary, but no change on the inside. No change in our heart. We're still broken, still worried. We need you. God, do something in us right now. Shatter everything that is unlike you. Your word tells us that you are faithful to finish what you started. And we've been stopped starting for far too long. So we lay this broken life down before you. It's time for us to grow. And so if you need to bury us, bury us. If you need to crush us, crush us and if you need to remake us then you just start from scratch because everything that we counted before Jesus is the filthy rags in Jesus name thank you for tuning in please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear more messages like this one if you like what you heard please share with your family and friends don't forget to connect with us on our website at courageouschurch.online courageous church Courageous people.